We are glad you're here, and um, good morning to everybody. And I tell you, this, this frustration with God thing, this series we're doing, a couple of them, last week is another example, where it's really not about God that you're frustrated. Last week's, if you weren't here, and you get that online, by the way, uh, was uh, what are we, one of the frustrations with God is why, why are so many of his people jerks? And we talked a lot about that. Um, but, and this is another one. Um, the Bible. Why is the Bible so confusing? Is that a frustration with God? Well, it's related to God. And uh, you, could, you could say it if you wanted to, well, why is his word so confusing? But I, I thought through this, and as I was, as I was preparing, preparing that, um, I was going to do a, I haven't done this in a while, like a list, a countdown, you know, like doing the, 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 the top 10 thing. But I, then I, you know, well, okay, ten's a lot. And sometimes when I do the 10 things, I, I go a little overtime and I try not to do that if I can help it. So I thought, well, I'll do seven. Seven's the Hebrew number of perfection. Number of my favorite baseball player of all time. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, seven, that's a good number. So I got seven things for you, all right? Seven, seven reasons why the Bible is so confusing. Now, I was a bit of tongue-in-cheek here, obviously, because you're going to learn this morning in the next couple of minutes that uh, I don't think the Bible is confusing. But nonetheless, we're going to, for the purposes of our title, let's go with it, all right? Why is the Bible so confusing? The Bible is confusing, number one. Number one, I'm just going to start with the number one reason. Number one reason the Bible is confusing is because ministers are confusing, okay? That's, we'll just start right there. And, and we, you know... I try not to be, and I hope I'm not most of the time. All of us, though, know what it means to, you know, kind of drop a bomb, uh, which means a message that you worked really hard on and you deliver it and something doesn't go right or, you know, some baby's crying on the front row or somebody's giving you a hard time or you had a fight with your wife beforehand, which is why my wife stays asleep till I leave the house on Sunday morning. And well, I leave pretty early, frankly. But anyway... Um, um, no, listen, um, it's the same, same thing. Many times I'll hear this. People say the Bible's boring. And that's one of the things that really gets my blood boiling. I'm like, the Bible's boring? The Bible's not boring. Ministers are boring. Professors are boring. Some Bible teachers are boring. But the Bible is not boring. Um, and and that, that's something that, you know, you can't always tell it. But I work pretty hard at and trying to make this relevant and, and making it, I mean, I love what I do. I love being able to, to prepare and, and figure out different ways to teach things that are here in the Bible. I love the Bible and have been reading um, the Scriptures since I was a kid. And just so there's a special passion that I have. I'll just say this. If a pastor is not interesting, inspiring, relevant, and biblical, um, it's, it's probably because... And, and I've done this, so I'm not just pointing my... It's probably because of the lack of preparation. I mean, there, that's probably... Now, there, there, maybe, maybe training was, a, was an issue for some. I was fortunate in the fact that while I don't have a, a prestigious degree, I had a great, great education uh, with where I got my degree and, and um, just, with, just pounded, pounded on us uh, preparation, preparation, study, study, the original languages uh, of the Bible and, and things that at the time were just very challenging and very difficult. But obviously, uh, 30 years since, I'm, I'm grateful for it because there are things that were taught that I'll ne- I have ne- never forgotten uh, by some of my professors. So I'm grateful for that. So that, that might be an issue with some. But my point is this, don't blame the lack of relevance the confusion, 
alleged confusion of the Bible upon those who are always teaching it or speaking of it. Because there's a lot of different things that could be going on there. So, so sometimes the Bible is confusing because ministers are confusing. By the way, just sort of a sub-point to that, I should have had this as another point, but that would have given me eight. And I don't really like the number eight. I like the number seven, so I wanted to stay with seven. But um, another one that would have been a sort of a sub-point with that is the Bible is confusing, not only because ministers are confusing, but sometimes the Bible's every Like, for instance, King James Bible. I mean, the King James Bible, good gracious. You know, I don't, even, I don't know how anybody... I mean, I had one for... Until I was, that's not true really, actually. When I was eight years old, my dad got me a Phillips Bible, which was the first first sort of easy to read type of Bible. So that was kind of interesting. But King James Bible, I mean, you know, you can get lost in that sucker. I mean, it's just like thou's, these, those, thou's. And you're like, what in the heck is he saying in here? So sometimes it is. And that's why it's important to read different translations and and figure that out. I always, there's a couple of translations. I, I have, I don't know how many, I got. 10 or 15 on my computer, that I, and there's, you know, there's three or four that I always check. And, and so it's good to kind of read around, and it, it, it keeps the Bible from being confusing sometimes. That's the first thing. Another reason that the Bible is confusing is because of a thing called hypocrisy. My point there is real simple. People have, have seen it lived out so poorly. kind of has to do with what we talked about last week. You know, and in and, and some cases, people who say they believe the Bible and who proclaim the Bible and pound the Bible and hold it up and, and everything um, don't live those principles what, whatsoever. Mark Twain, who wasn't particularly a pillar of, of, of faith, said this. He's a great writer. He said this, the best cure for Christianity is reading the Bible. I think it's great. that's a great statement. It's very true. A lot of people don't. So, Bible's confusing because ministers are confusing sometimes because, the, because of hypocrisy. Uh, Bible's confusing sometimes because people, people have heard some experts say that it was out of date. And you read that, you say, well, it must be out of date. Or you saw that on a Discovery Channel thing, you know? That some, you know, just kind of, as you were going into your coma, uh, watching the Discovery Channel, you just kind of, oh, they said the Bible's not relevant. Oh, it must not be relevant because Dr. Such-and-Such said that. Unfortunately, there are too many people who never dig deeper than what they read somewhere or what they, um, what they see somewhere. And on, on, just as unfortunately, it doesn't just happen with the Bible. Sometimes it happens with political candidates. You know, think about that one. I mean, I don't really care who you vote for. I hope you have thought through it. I'm one of those obnoxious people who's at a dinner party and who will say, hey, who are you voting for? And you know what? There's always somebody who wants to answer that. There's always somebody who wants to answer that. And I'll just ask questions. Okay, well, why? And I really, I really don't have, an, I'm not trying to push a candidate because, you know, I, don't, you know, I pretty much know who I'll probably vote for, but I'm, it's not that I'm real passionate about it. And, um, but it's always funny to hear that. Now, well, why are you going to vote for them? Well, I like the way they look. Okay. Why else are you going to vote for them? Well, they just, well, you know. Have you thought through this? You know, do you really know what this person stands for? Do you really know what their pastor says? No, you can't say that. Um, that one, can't use that one anymore, can you? <clears throat> By the way, if any of you, when any of you run for president, I hope I'll do you proud, okay? <laughs> yeah. I hope there won't be any clips of, listen to what his pastor said, <laughs> or her pastor said. Um, so uh, a- anyway... People don't think through things oftentimes, and many times it has to do especially with the matters of the Bible because they, you know, not many of you 
probably had a Bible course in, in college. Now, some, some colleges do, I realize that, but, but not, it's not like one of those things, everybody has to have a psychology course, everybody has to have some sort of humane, you know, whatever, so you, you feel like maybe you're not qualified. Well, anybody's qualified to read the Bible, so, so don't, uh, don't let that scare you away. Why is the Bible confusing? Yeah, ministries are, ministers are confusing, hypocrisy, some expert says it's outdated, and also, also sometimes because people want to do what they want to do. My point here is real simple. You know, um, in some cases, it's not really confusing at all, but we try to justify what we're doing. And, and sometimes we, we, you know, there, there is such a thing, and I realize this, as a crisis of faith. And I've talked with many people over the years who've been in a crisis of faith, and those are real. So I'm not making light of that. But I will say this, sometimes a person's crisis of faith is just part of a process of seeking justification for something that they previously thought was wrong. And now they want to do what they previously thought was wrong, so they're going to have a crisis of faith and change their beliefs instead of just saying, what I'm about to do is wrong. And I'm not advising you to go ahead and do what you think is wrong. You see this sometimes in, I've seen it in two main areas, um, morality, marriage, um, being one and, and finance being another, where somebody all of a sudden changes some of the, you know, they got this great opportunity for some sort of a business thing, and, but it's going to really call, it's really going to take some stretching of the truth. So they start, they start messing around, well, what is a lie? What, what is, you know, and they start kind of doing that whole thing, trying to make something gray that's not, or in some cases somebody, you know, wants to leave his wife or her husband and, and ah, well, you know, I took a vow, but, but, but it, it's one of those things. It's, it, 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 I've changed my whole beliefs. You know, and, and on a couple of different occasions, I said, look, don't change your beliefs. Just if you're going to do what you're going to do, do what you're going to do. That may or may not be the right thing to do, but don't try to adjust your whole system of beliefs to try to justify whatever it is you're thinking about doing. So sometimes people do. <clears throat> the Bible's not really confusing, but some people try to make it confusing so they can do what they want to do. The Bible is confusing sometimes because you're reading the wrong parts. I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me and say, I'm reading the book of Revelation. And I'll just say, stop right there. Okay? Get out of Revelation. Okay? I've studied it for over 30 years. I have no clue what Revelation is talking about. Okay? I don't totally, I don't, I'm not sure what the 70 weeks of Daniel mean in the last part of the book of Daniel. And that, that's tied in with Revelation, if, you, if you've ever studied those things. You know, and, and they get, and my point is, read somewhere else. You get into Leviticus. You're like, oh man, this is really boring, this gene, genealogies. You know, and let me just say this. Let me just say this. When you get at a certain level of, and, and have a certain desire, I'm not trying to put anybody down here, a certain desire to try to make some sort of a, of a harmony of the Bible and try to, Leviticus is very important. Revelation, I still haven't figured the Revelation out yet. But, 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 but you know, some of the Leviticus and some of those things in Deuteronomy and some of those uh, genealogies, the Bible is a book like that. The Bible is a book of genealogies also. And, a, and so, so that's really important. But you know what? Not everybody's going to go there. They're just looking for practical guidelines. And, and, and read the Psalms. Read the Proverbs. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, you're, you're reading in a place that's boring. Well, hey, there's 66 books. Go somewhere else, man. You know, that's the great thing about the Bible. You, know, you don't, you know, there's not, it's not a big deal. And the whole revelation thing, prophecy, I mean, you can go crazy on that stuff. 
had it all figured out once. I had it all figured out. And, you know, I did all the typology and, and, and figured out that the, that the barrier to the north, which is north of anything, is north, everything's centered on Israel. Ah, oh, it's the USSR, man. It's the USSR. And this thinking USSR goes belly up, 1990, then all my theology, right down the toilet. You know? I think, well, I guess I was wrong about that, huh? I had a professor, funny thing. I had a professor in college who told us that. Do not ever... In your, in your prophetical readings and, and, and trying to understand them, but do not ever try to put countries, you know, sort of say, this, this is that country, this is Germany, or this is Russia. He said, because if you do it, how wise he was. He says, if you do it, you, you're, you know, you're going to lose your credibility. Thank God I hadn't taught that publicly, but I would have lost credibility. My point is, the Bible does make sense. And there's much there that is very clear. Obviously, there are some things that maybe, maybe at your level of Bible reading, you're not there yet. Maybe there's not a desire, and, you, and, maybe, you know, and that's okay too. Maybe you just rather, I know people who just live in the Psalms. God bless you. Psalms are great. Hard to beat the Psalms. So, so just read it. You know, one of the things about this, never let the unclear. So this is a basic rule of Bible interpretation. Learned this many years ago. Never let the unclear scriptures overrule the clear. Never let the unclear things cloud the clear. And there's plenty of clear passages in the Bible. I'll give you one example, you know, in just a second. Deuteronomy says this, Secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us. In other words, there are some things that are secret, but some things that are revealed. We're to live by those things that are revealed, those things that we do know. A lot we don't know. It's okay. Let God deal with that. Sometimes the Bible is confusing because we're just reading the wrong parts. We'll change. Sometimes the Bible is confusing because people can be easily confused. These two points really could go together, but I wanted seven. Um, You know, because people can get easily confused. Here's my point on this one. It has to do with what I just said, not letting the unclear cloud that what is clear in the Scripture. Um, I don't know. What, if you put a percentage on it, you know, whether I understand 80% of the Bible. By the way, I inverted it last service. I said, I, I think I know 20% of the Bible. I meant 80%, not knowing 20. So if you see anybody that came to the 9 o'clock service, tell them that the pastor does know at least 80% of the Bible, okay? Because they left here thinking, and they were very gracious. They left here thinking, that guy knows only 20% of the Bible? What the heck is he doing here, you know? <laughs> I inverted those numbers. Now you do that. I was like, oh, nobody corrected me from, you know. If you hear me do that, speak up up here, all right? That's, that's the front two rows jobs, all right? Um, anyway, anyway, um, the 20% or so, whatever it is, that I don't understand is not what bothers me at all. It's the 80% that I do understand that really bothers me. You know what I mean by that? Let me show you what I mean by that. For example, Matthew 22. Pharisees heard that he had silenced. Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with his reply. They thought up a fresh question of their own to ask him. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, who's the most important, what is the most, uh, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? In the, in the Old Testament, basically. Jesus, Jesus replied, Here it is. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
all other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. That's pretty clear. There's not, there's not very many ways to interpret that. But you know what? I got problems with that. I mean, I don't know about Revelation, but I know about this, and I had problems with that. As, as a person of faith who seeks to live a life that God wants me to live, loving Him and loving others, like my, loving my neighbor as myself. Let's just deal with that. Read that every day a few times. That would be helpful. You know? So, so people get easily confused on this stuff, and, and we don't need to be. Let's let the clear, or let's not let the clear cloud that which is unclear. Let me show you the last thing. The Bible is confusing to some because we have failed to understand its importance. We failed to understand its importance. Let me give you two quotes from two, two of our great, um, one sort of a founding father, he came along a little later, and one founding father, and I'm not, uh, these are just two great men, two great thinkers. We're so blessed in that first hundred years of this country to have men like this, and it gives you some idea of, of the kind of people, and they were all varied, and I've been, if you've been watching, if you've been able to see the uh, miniseries on John Adams, it's just been, just been outstanding. Um, and it just, it just gives you, these, these guys, just, they're great thinkers as, as well as great politicians and so forth. Daniel Webster, he, he came along a little later, wasn't born until 1782, but Daniel Webster said this, if we abide by the principles taught by the Bible, our country will go on prospering. Just, just a great thought. And then a big dog himself, President General George Washington. Listen to what he said. It is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. Isn't that amazing? Great men. It's true for your home as well. Your life. The truth is the Bible is very clear on most of the issues of life and faith. And it's very important that we seek to live according to that. And that's why it's very important that we understand um, why it's important. Let me show you this. Closing. This is important. Second Timothy. Paul wrote this to a young pastor, Timothy. Timothy, 28, 29 years old, when, he wrote, when uh, Paul wrote this to him as a young pastor. Look what he says. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting Christ Jesus. All the Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing that God wants us to do. That's a lot. See, the Bible's important because it gives us insight. In that first part, in verse 15, it gives us insight into how to trust Christ, how to trust God. When he says, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they've, been given to you, they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting Christ. So it, it, it gives us insight in how to trust Christ, how to trust God. Um, you know, it's inspired by God. It's inspired by God. It, it's given to it's, it's authoritative. It, it, it can teach us how to live. And that's, 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 that's how my God gave it to us. You know, the other thing there when he says um, it straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right, it's God's way of preparing us in every way. You know, 
It teaches values for living life. Key, key, key point here. I used to teach that the Bible, I don't know if I said it quite like this, whatever I said, I, I regret it. And it's been many years ago. But uh, I used to say like the Bible is God's rule book. I said something like that, some stupid thing like that. Um, God, and, and, and you say, well, well, isn't it a rule book? You know, really and truly, here's what the Bible is. God says, look, I love you so much. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a, a, a book that has principles that if you, if you listen to them and if you live by them, you won't have so much heartache in your life. You think of all the heartache, any heartache you've ever experienced. It's either because you or someone close to you, maybe once or twice removed, did something that was really bad and caused great pain. And that's, whatever that something is, I can assure you, whether it was lying, whether it was stealing, whether it was cheating, whether it was betraying, whatever that was, it was something clearly talked about in Scripture. And it caused great pain to that person and even the circle around them. That's why I always em- em- emphasize to young people and even adults that our actions affect more than just us. They, they do. And people say, well, it's my life. Well, you know, it is your life, but you also, you also have others around you. And it's like a ripple effect. And um, it's not just about you. So the Bible teaches those values. Not only are they going to just help us live better, but it's going to keep us from heartache and break many times. Many times. Over and over again. And in that last verse, it is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. In other words, it puts us in the path of blessing. Puts us in that path of, to be blessed. I don't know about you, but I think, like me, <laughs> you want to be in that path. We have, that, we have this phrase that we, that we use accurately. It came from a book, and then a movie, uh, uh, and we talk about it still. You hear it in the media all the time, uh, referring to our soldiers, uh, whether they're in Iraq or wherever they are. They're in harm's way, is a term they use, in harm's way. And, um, and it's true, they are, and I think it's a good descriptive phrase that a, a person who's in a war is in harm's way. Uh, if you just kind of change that around a little bit, for us, you know, you can say as a, as a follower of Christ, I want to be in blessings way, you know. I want to be in the way of where, where, wherever I am, I can be blessed. And that's what he says, that's what the Bible does for us. It's God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. It's the way that God's going to bless us. So really our prayer comes down to this. The Bible can be understood. And God, the Holy Spirit, gives us an ability to understand that sometimes beyond our own abilities. Most importantly, it, it's, it's, it's something for us to look to and to figure out and, 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 and in some cases just to live in a way, scripturally, that's going to put me in the place of blessing. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me and for all of us. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are f- very thankful. And I know I take it for granted all the time that we have this thing called the Bible that gives us insight for living and trusting you. Help us to read it. Help us to, help us to seek to live by those passages that are very clear to us. We thank you for Jesus who came and lived and suffered and died and rose again to give us life eternally and abundantly. We thank you for your grace, your forgiveness, 
and your love. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.